All right, we're back. This is another episode of the Mainline Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Burton. Proud to be joined alongside by my good friend, Mr. Adam Jacquez. And we've got an awesome show tonight as we get ready for OU Texas this upcoming weekend down in Dallas. Uh, Adam, what's up, buddy? How are you? Hey, Tyler. Uh, man, biggest game of the season every year, and it feels completely flat this season. So uh, hoping we can get a, a fun win, a good game, but uh, I am tempering expectations uh, you know, it, uh, it, for the most part. It's been super weird, like living up here in Norman, you know, the sports talk radio, driving through campus, and it, it just doesn't seem like that buzz is surrounding the game this year what's it like down in Dallas where you're at I mean is I know that you know whether it's down in Dallas up here in Norman down in Austin typically during an OU Texas weekend uh, there's a lot of excitement all the way around yeah it it feels like a normal week so far Uh, I have been getting several odd looks wearing my beat Texas hat everywhere I go and people are are certainly thinking, man, that guy is crazy for sticking with it. But uh, I'm excited. It'll feel feel different for me. This will be my first time going to the game while living in Dallas. So I always remember my favorite part, honestly, of the entire weekend besides the game was just the journey down and just feeling like a, the big adventure. So it'll be it'll be different. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, know that uh, it's definitely not the game that we thought it was going to be. Uh, even just a couple of weeks ago, um, OU kind of limping into the game on Saturday, uh, coming off back-to-back losses against Kansas State and Iowa State and Texas, who really should be one and two. Also, uh, they, they should have taken taken a loss against Texas Tech a couple weeks ago, but uh, Gary Patterson, Max Duggan, TCU handed uh, Texas their first loss this past Saturday down in Austin. So. Uh, it's got a, it's got a little bit more of a kind of a different feel to it. It's still a, a big game uh, for both programs, but just you know, in, in a little bit of a different fashion. You know, usually you, you season schedule comes out, everybody kind of circles that second week in October, and usually that OU Texas matchup down in Dallas. That's always kind of the springboard for one of those two teams to kind of put them, you know, up at the top of the Big Twelve Conference and really springboard them. Uh, into making a run at the conference championship but you know Adam kind of what's sort of the uh the the feel that you're getting uh as we go into this game where really you know one team the winner of this game on Saturday still has some life left as far as the conference championship goes and uh the the other one's got to truly got to truly have a look in the mirror type moment to figure out what the rest of the season is going to be like yeah everyone's describing this matchup as if both teams are coming in off of two straight losses. And yes, Texas had a dogfight there with Texas Tech. But I kind of look at that comeback win as, hey, you know, they pulled through and made the plays necessary and had the, the mental toughness to get through that. And then TCU was a dogfight throughout the game. But at the same time, right there, they were about to drive in for the winning touchdown. And I'd don't know that TCU would have been able to drive down the field to, to score there with probably a minute left or, or less. So uh, I feel like Texas is still in a much better spot, but at the same time, as soon as they lose one game, their fan base loses their minds, similar to how we do here at OU. Yeah, and probably not the best best game to lose if you're if you're Texas, especially if you're you know if you're head coach Tom Herman, who I know that the uh, fans down in Austin, a lot of the guys cutting the checks, raising the money. Uh, Tom Herman, you know, has kind of been on not, I wouldn't say that he's on the, I, I don't know, Adam, would you, I don't know if he is on the hot seat this year, but definitely 
uh, the the leash is a lot shorter on on Herman, especially given the fact that you know what what is this his third season? I think that this is his third season coming into play, fourth season. Uh, what one of those? You know, he's got a star senior senior quarterback, Sam Ellinger, and Texas fans have really had twenty twenty circled for a couple of years now is this finally being the team where, you know, Herman's got that senior leadership at quarterback. He's got that senior first round left tackle and, in, uh, in, in Sam Cosme and uh, all, all of uh, Tom Herman's recruits over the past couple of recruiting cycles are finally now into those starting positions and, and filling up that two deep roster. So um, kind of Adam, before we, you know, truly dive into OU Texas um, kind of, you know, did, did you have a chance to kind of go back study the uh, Iowa State game a little bit and what was there anything that kind of uh, you know uh, you know kind of you know flashed to you something that you kind of caught your eye kind of caught um, kind of watching it back a second time that we previously didn't see uh, during that post game podcast that we did yeah I, I mean I, I do think you got to give credit to the defense and what Alex Grinch is doing as far as getting guys in the right spot that's something we saw a big improvement with last season from uh, moving from Mike Stoops to an Alex Grinch defense. So it's still continuing. The guys still got to actually make the tackle and get the play, but it is still encouraging at least to know that they are in the right position. And we are close in that sense of you just got to make the tackle or you just got to make the interception and it changes everything for that defense. Do now that's much easier said than done. Uh, from a mentality standpoint, as we kind of talked about in our podcast earlier in the week, but at least in that part is encouraging that we're not, we don't have guys looking over the sideline. We don't have receivers running wide open in most cases. So at least that part was encouraging. Well, and I think that the defense has definitely made strides, uh, particularly when, when you're talking about being assignment sound, getting the calls in, the communication seems to be a lot better across the board, more consistent, you know, the, this past year and a half under Alex Grinch compared to what it was during the Mike Stoops tenure. But, um, you know, kind of something that's, uh, I, don't, I don't know if scary is the right word or, or what's, you know, kind of got to be, you know, discouraging for OU fans is you know the the defense the defense and OU as a whole dominated K-State two weeks ago for the better part of three quarters and then they blew the fourth quarter lead ended up losing the game then you take a step up going to Ames better football team better caliber of athlete by you know but at least by by some some measure um, and again Sooners found themselves in a dogfight blew a fourth quarter lead again and and you know the coming off their second straight loss now you're limping into the Cotton Bowl this upcoming weekend against a team that, you know, depending on which fan base you ask, Texas is probably the most more talented team on paper, uh, the, the most talented team that OU is going to see this year. So definitely not a good spot uh, for, for Lincoln Riley's team coming off of two losses where you're trying to, you know, trying to find that, you know, make all the dots connect and, and, and finally get, you know, the offense and the defense clicking for all four quarters, try to close out a game. So, um, Adam, I'll kind of turn this back to you. It was definitely listen to co- listening to Lincoln Riley yesterday during his presser and having a chance to listen to uh, Alex Grinch earlier. It's definitely two different tones coming from each coach, whereas, you know, listening to Lincoln yesterday, um, he was more upbeat, more, you know, more positive, saying we're close, we're getting there, our team's getting after it, we're making strides, and now all we have to do is put it together on the field on Saturday, whereas – uh, if you had a chance to listen to Alex Grinch yesterday, I don't know, or today, I don't know if pissed is the right word, frustrated, um, 
angry, but just some of the comments that he made about just the unacceptable play that's been coming from the missed assignments, 15 missed tackles against Iowa State on Saturday. Um, that that was the most uh, that was the most emotional, the most animated that I've seen Alex Grinch basically in his first you know 15, 16 games here in Norman. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pleased to see that emotion and that you know someone inside the program is just as upset as it feels like some of us fans are. I, I'm sure Lincoln is more upset than he lets on in, in his particular press appearances. But at the same time, I think you kind of want some uh, continuity as far as the message and the tone that's being set from your coaches. I mean, Lincoln is the ultimate, um, you know, the ultimate figure there. He needs to be holding everyone accountable. Yeah. And so that, you know, should flow down from him first and foremost. So you would like to see some alignment there. Well, it is kind of, uh, I think that it could be kind of a difficult situation that Lincoln's in because, you know, being the face of the program, you can't, you kind of have to have that positive, that uplifting message, you know, kind of portrayed out to the fan base, but not only just to them, but also to your team as well, making sure that they stay upbeat, making sure that they stay engaged and and are focused and prepared for the game this weekend. But um, I would say that probably the next biggest takeaway after listening to to Grinch today, um, sounds like that we, on Saturday, we might finally, finally be seeing some changes as far as some of the personnel goes uh, as the game goes on on Saturday. So, um, we talked a little bit about the uh, secondary, and it sounds like we might be getting some of those younger, uh, bigger DBs getting some snaps on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, I'd really like to see Trey Norwood start, whether that's in place of Pat Fields or in place of Buki. He's the guy that's got a ton of experience, has started on some, some teams in the past. Uh, he's got a little bit more size than both those guys. I think he's a better cover guy. I think he's got better hands than, than Pat Field. So I would love to see Trey Norwood get a start for one of those two guys. And then I would really say, you know, hey, with the younger guys, you know, we're going we're gonna to hold people accountable. If the older guys are going to go out there and, and drop interceptions or miss tackles, they're going to come out for at least a series or, or, you know, a couple of plays here or there and give a younger guy a chance to go in there and make a difference. I don't necessarily think, you bench the guy for the rest of the game, but we have seen from last season where Alex Grinch liked to get rotated guys in there. And this season we haven't seen that at all, which is a little bit frustrating. I know there's been some shorthanded on numbers at times, but I mean, he should have been getting guys a lot more playing time in my opinion. Yeah. And, and Lincoln kind of addressed that during his press conference yesterday, you know, talking about how, um, really the the COVID really changing up not uh, and kind of eliminating the amount of practice time and the amount of meeting time that they were able to get with the guys this offseason, not having a spring practice, not getting a true, you know, a true traditional summer workout type uh, t- type structure in and, and fall camp being a little bit limited also. So I think that going into this game, um, you look at a guy like Jane Davis, look at the, uh, you know, safety DTY, those two guys are, are ones that through these first three games, I think have been the most consistent. Um, so, so those are two that I definitely think, you know, uh, I, I don't want to see them come off the field unless for, for some forsaken reason uh, you do have a bust this time. You do give up a big play, get one of those young guys in there. But 
Um, looking at Buki, looking at Pat Fields, looking at Trey Brown, those are the three starters that I think have the shortest leash right now, especially whenever you see all those young guys over like a Josh Eaton, 6'3 corner, that prototypical DB that Alex Grinch recruited and loves the size, the long frame. Um, also, Bryson Washington and uh, who who's the other? Oh, Woody Washington, the two Washington guys. So, yeah. Um, I think that those three guys are definitely ones in which OU fans hopefully can ex- – I, I hope we don't have to see them on Saturday because the starters play lights out. But if uh, if there is a busted play, if there, if there is a big play given up, um, I definitely hopefully want to see Alex Grinch kind of rotate those new guys in there. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's a little bit frustrating. The reasoning behind that is, well, these guys aren't experienced because you look at a guy like Delaren Turner-Yell, he played – as a true freshman Buki was playing as a true freshman um, and then Woody Washington he, he got a little bit of playing time last year so he's probably the one young guy that you're looking at that's um, that's actually playing but it's like give the guys give the guys a chance let's see what they got especially um, at that nickel position we really need we really need a, a little bit more size there uh, because I just don't see a way that Buki's going to be able to turn it around when he's going to get targeted for the rest of the season against every six foot five, six foot seven tight end that a team has. And really sometimes his best chance is to <laughs> climb their back and get a <laughs> penalty because he's just so outsized. Well, and, and we'll dive into that here in just a second, because Texas has got, you know, th- th- they've got a lot of size out on the perimeter and especially near the line of scrimmage. Also, they got, they've got a couple tight ends that they play that are both six, five and above um, big, tall frame, strong guys. Uh, but really, Adam, but before we truly dive into the X's and O's that um, for, for this upcoming Saturday, uh, the OU Texas week, it, it, it's more than just a game on, on Saturday. I know that truly for, for OU fans, the, the, there's more to it. There's the pageantry. There's the banter that goes on back and forth between both fan bases, more so on a year where both teams are highly ranked. There's a little more stake uh, involved with the game, but um, kind of talk a little bit, Adam, about maybe, you know, some of your early memories of OU Texas and um, kind of like what the what the routine's always been for you as, as far as going down to the games, you know, driving down early, uh, game day, what kind of what the setup is, going through the fair and all that stuff. Yeah, I think my favorite part about that weekend is the camaraderie that you see at pretty much every stage of the journey. You know, when you're when you leave Norman or the Oklahoma City area and you're driving down and you're seeing other people that are going down for the game, they've got, you know, the flags on their car. I've seen ones where they have like a, a longhorn that looks like it, they ran it over. So there's always a lot of fun seeing that as you're driving into the Dallas area. And then wherever you are Friday night, you're looking around going, are there more OU fans in this restaurant or Texas fans? And you're just you're just sizing them up the the whole night. So it's a blast. And then, you know, as you're, you're going into the stadium and the fairgrounds and everything the next day, it's just so, it's so exciting because it is, it is so much pride and, and you really have that sense of, you know, you're a part of the team at that point. So I think that's really special and really doesn't happen hardly anywhere else. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and whether it was during my time here as a student or even, you know, the, the, both of the trips that we took during our time in the ticket office, it's, you know, you're what once, once with the, OU Texas week gets here. It seems like that's the longest week of work. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no matter what, especially uh, again, once thir- Thursday after lunch hits and you're just watching that clock tick down to, to five, that way you can go home, get packed, get excited. 
And the, the, the drive down on Friday, um, again, seeing all the car flags, seeing a, an, a, an inflatable Bevo attached to somebody's the back of their car upside down, seeing all the, the electronic traffic signs saying beat Texas. And once you cross into Dallas, it's, it's a lot of smack talk. And uh, again, going, going out to eat the night before, like you said, sizing up the crowd, seeing how much burnt orange is in the building compared to crimson and cream and, uh, again, kind of the banter going back and forth. And and honestly, other than the game itself, my favorite part of, of OU Texas week, uh, and again, 11 a.m. kickoff, that's what we've been accustomed to, is truly kind of that 8 o'clock to 10 a.m. spot where you you wake up early, probably still kind of stumbling from the night before, walk into the state fair, get your coupons, get your beer and corn dog for breakfast. We're kind of used to that by now. Uh, kind of taking in all the sights and sounds and then getting over there by the entrance and, uh, you know, watching the team buses come in and you, you see the Texas bus come in and OU flans are, are screaming, giving them hells. Maybe if you see a few f- uh, fingers up in the air and, and it's likewise also for, for the, o, for the OU bus and, uh, you know, watching, watching the bands march in, watching Bevo and the ponies kind of take their spot inside the stadium uh, j- just the pageantry and the atmosphere that su- that surrounds that game on Saturday uh, is definitely something that uh, j- just kind of m- just adds to the experience of the actual four quarters of football itself. So, uh, yeah. but now for 2020, COVID's going to actually change things up a little bit. Uh, so, so what's what's this weekend looking like for you? Because we're we're again limited fans, no bands. Um, no, not near as many vendors and basically you're going to have probably about a hundred thousand less people in that area compared to usual. Yeah, it's going to be really odd and hopefully we can get a win and we can kind of chuckle about it years later and go, I was there and I saw the win in such a weird situation because if we lose, it is going to be one that we will just never be able to forget. (laughs) So, uh, in a negative way. So hopefully we can, we can pull out the W, but it is going to be, it's going to be really odd. Um, you know, I, I'm, I know there's going to be still some corn dogs and stuff outside beforehand. So I'll plan to get there and and try to grab some of that before heading in. But I think it's going to be really strange and subdued and, it's just it's a weird year. I, I I'm ready for next season so we can get back to normal. <laughs> Hit the reset button or some, something yeah. like that. Well, you're uh, unlike years past. You know, you're not you're not living in Norman anymore. You're actually already down in Dallas. So, kind of what what's the schedule looking like? Kind of what's uh, what, what's going to be going on with you as far as Friday and Saturday goes? Yeah, I don't know that I'll be doing a whole lot Friday. Um, Saturday, I'll be connecting with my cousin, and then we'll we'll head into the fair at some point in the morning. I guess we won't have to get there nearly as early <laughs> yeah. as we normally do, um, which I guess that part will be nice, but it'll also really just take the intensity down a notch, I think. So, I don't know. What, are you are you planning to come down Friday night? So, in years, like our, our families had tickets, like my, my parents, you know, sister, aunts, uncles, cousins, we've always kind of made a big trip out of it. And, uh, the, you know, these past couple of years going with you and Andy and, uh, you know, Lord knows all the things that we got into, especially when you've got Mr. Hegeman in the car. Uh, but no, we're, we're going to make a, we decided this year, especially with COVID kind of taking away again, some of the, the pageantry and a lot of the usual things that we do on an OU Texas weekend, it's actually going to be myself, my dad, and, and my cousin going down. So uh, we're, we're going to kind of make a big weekend out of it. We're going to head down head down to Dallas early Friday morning. Uh, we found a, a really neat spot. We're going to play some golf Friday afternoon right there da- next to downtown Dallas. So 
uh, get a quick 18 in, um, go, go check into the hotel, maybe go grab a, a bite to eat somewhere and, um, 11 a.m. kickoff have to turn in a little bit early. So, uh, hopefully get, get there a little bit early on Saturday and, um, watch the game and hopefully it's a nice happy car ride back to norman on saturday afternoon so ooh, so you're driving back the day <laughs> or right yeah. after we're driving back right ooh. after so um we'll, we'll be tu- we'll be tuned in to uh, uh to sports talk radio back up here in norman oklahoma city so hopefully uh ho- hopefully it's uh entertaining in, in a positive way so definitely excited to get down there for sure yeah well, hopefully you can get back. Uh, not too much traffic. It's it's not too bad like it normally is in Dallas right now. So there's there's some good games Saturday night. Miami, Clemson. I guess normally Florida State <laughs> would be a decent <laughs> one. Florida State is man. I hope we never ever ever sink to that depth. But man, they got to hire Bob Stoops. <laughs> well, he's uh, that 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 could happen any minute. The rumors about that have been going on for for the last year or so, and it, it's kind of funny. I, I was listening to uh, I was listening to the radio earlier today uh, d- during workout, making some calls, and uh, there was actually a guy that called in on the radio, and he was asking the host who has been the more embarrassing program so far this year. Is it OU or is it Florida State? And <laughs> I'm I, I, the uh, the the host all of it sarcastically hung up on the guy. I'm not quite ready to you know hit the panic button quite yet, but um, obviously well, up here in Nor- I I get the question. Like, I mean, not much is expected out of Florida State yet. They still look pretty bad. Uh, versus you know OU, who is a, a lot is expected out, and we've looked pretty bad as well. I, I mean, well, I mean, I, I guess. Compared to expectations, yeah, like there's there's a case to be made for either. If you're just gonna say, well, which one is the better program? Still, well, duh, it's OU, and duh, OU still has a chance at you know a bowl game and maybe a Big Twelve championship if things go perfectly for them. But yeah, like relative to expectations, either yeah, way, probably. I, I think that that's a fair assessment. I mean, OU's not down three touchdowns to Jacksonville State at home like like Florida State was this past Saturday. Now I know that they came back to win that football game and. Um, you know, o- OU's uh, has kind of, um, you know, disappointed as far as ex- expectations go coming into this year. But uh, also, the, there, there's a ton of brats, uh, a ton of bright spots. There's a lot to be excited about this OU football team, what the direction that the program's moving in. Um, you know, the, the, there's so much talent on this team. And even though they're not playing right, right, playing well right now, there's a lot of youth, a lot of inexperience. And again, I think that on the, what, what, what did we talk about a couple weeks ago on the, on the 2D roster, there were less than a handful of upperclassmen. So, uh, again, this could just kind of be one of those stepping stone years where you, you kind of got to get it over with. That way you can't kind of propel yourself into into those later years where you do have the experience on both sides of the football. But, uh, again, I'm not I'm not quite ready to press the panic button, and I'm sure as heck not ready to say that OU's in as bad a shape as, as Florida State is right now. So, yeah, uh, well, I do have some breaking news for the podcast here. Oh God, what uh, do we got? The number one overall athlete, top uh, fifty rated uh, recruit in the nation, Billy Bowman, has decommitted from Texas. Here we go. There you go. That's uh, <laughs> and again, I'll let you take the lead on that because you've been following you've been following it a little bit more and especially reading up on it. But that what, Billy Bowman, that was the guy. He, again, he's been committed to to Texas for quite some time and. Uh, oh, you just kind of randomly offered him a few, a few months ago. And yeah, 
Yeah, he, he is. He's only 5'10", 170, but I think he is a guy that OU is probably looking at as a safety. He's got tremendous speed. Uh, he, he's listed as an athlete. He probably could play either way, either side of the ball. But I think at OU, they would probably look at him as a, as a safety prospect. His girlfriend is, the I believe, the number one softball recruit in the nation, and she is she might be starting at OU this fall. Hey, has we, already started, so we, we can he get does a two, have some connections this direction. <laughs> we can get a two-bedroom suite up in up in Headington, so I, I definitely think that that's something. And I'm I'm just now seeing the seeing the tweet, and of course, there's a ton of OU fans in his in his mentions. So um, hopefully, they keep that keep that classy. There's nothing more aggravating than seeing you know older people diving into a a kid's messages. So, but uh, well, again, the funny thing is, like we're we are almost the old guys at this point. <laughs> we're we're basically there. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we, we I, I I mean I, I know that you and I we we don't follow a, a ton of the the kids, but we definitely follow the, the the you know whether it's the recruiting analysts, the different sides that that if if something does go down, then we're going to see it through them. So, uh, but that's definitely some some good news, and that's going to make OU fans a, a little bit excited going into this weekend. And I don't know, just kind of raise the stakes a little bit more. So, well, Adam, let's let's yeah. kind of dive in, um, kind, kind of dive into OU Texas this weekend, the 116th playing of the Red River Showdown, Red River Shootout. I don't know, they changed the name three or four times, but um, Adam, going into Saturday, OU one and two, Texas two and one, really a, a huge spot for for both teams' position in the Big Twelve standings. Who needs who needs this game more? Man, that's tough to answer because on one hand, you've got Texas with only one loss, even though you know they squeaked by Texas Tech, but they still have a lot to play for. They can win the conference, they can win out, they can play in the the playoffs still at this point. I think everyone's kind of written them off after one loss, but really they they have a good shot at the playoff if they win out. I don't think that they're good enough to do that, but at least they have that on the line still. OU winning out, I don't think even puts you anywhere close to the playoffs at this point. The best you can hope for is some of you and you, you get a chance to play for the Big 12 championship and you end up winning it still. But, uh, but at the same time, OU has more to lose as far as, hey, this would be the first time they've lost three straight since 1965, I believe. So um, I don't know. It's like, do you, would you rather be the team that um, loses the chance to, you know, really play for something this year? Or would you rather be the team that is setting records for how many losses they've had in a row? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's, it's how dire, how dire the situation, I guess it is for both teams. Well, I, I definitely think that both teams have, have things to play for. Texas obviously only having one loss. They still kind of have those playoff, the, those playoff dreams still intact, to, at least to some sort. Um, th- there's no way if a one-loss Texas runs the table, makes wins the Big 12 championship, they're not leaving a one la- uh, a one-loss Texas with that logo on the side of the helmet uh, out of the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I will it, say from more of like a national perspective, not the Texas fan who's delusional and <laughs> thinks that you know they're going to win the championship every year. But if Texas loses, it's uh, you know they are kind of what they always are. Whereas well, if OU loses, it's it's like wow, this is crazy. This doesn't happen ever. So I kind of feel like OU has more to lose. Yeah, but let me throw this back to you in a way that I think that Texas needs this game more than OU does, as far as the bigger picture goes. Um, Tom Herman, what what was the the thing that we said prior to the start of the year was if anybody was going to take down and beat OU this year, 
this bet this was the year that you had to do it with all the youth and inexperience. So if you're Tom Herman, who is what one in three, one in four against OU, if you include that Big 12 championship rematch that they had, if you can't beat OU, a team that lost to K-State and Iowa State in back-to-back weeks well, with a senior, senior-like quarterback in Sam Ellinger, I think that the game means more, or not, not necessarily means more, obviously means a lot to both programs, but I think the Texas is the one that has more to lose in this scenario. I guess I'd rather phrase it this way. Tom Herman has more to lose. Texas may be better off if, if they can you know, have good reason to get rid of him because I just don't see him being the long-term fit and the guy that's going to take him to a consistent Big 12 championship playoff contender. Oh, I hope he's there may- for another decade. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of similar to where we were in the early 2000s with Mac Brown, you know, keep him around because we can beat him every year. But uh, there, are, there are some logical level-headed Texas fans out there that are probably thinking, man, like we need to get rid of this guy. And you don't want to lose to make that happen, but it might work out in their favor in the long run. Yeah. Well, I, I think that I think that that is a good point, and I know that um, you know c- coming into this year, and again the expectations that the Texas fans had placed on on Herman you know, again with senior leg quarterback. This is the most experienced of a team that he's had during his tenure uh, at Texas. So definitely something where the the uh, ramifications of this game the winner and loser it 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 dives way past uh just this upcoming saturday and really throughout the rest of the 2020 season so um adam is as far as tom herman on the hot seat is what's the buyout look like for him i mean is that something that texas could actually do or is that something where they just kind of have to ride it out yeah, so I guess the I don't know if the details are public, so this might be just a rumor, but I guess it's his buyout's probably around twenty million. Oh, yeah. Um, now Texas has the big donors to probably buy that out if needed. I, I don't know. This year is a little bit different from a PR perspective because it would look really weird to buy out a coach right after laying off and reducing salaries for a lot of you know everyday staff and employees yeah so i don't know uh we'll see we'll see if we get there it is kind of a weird timing thing too because what if what if at the end of the year sam ellinger is thinking yeah i might i might come back you know after this free year of eligibility but i'm not going to do it for tom herman come back for maybe or maybe it's vice versa i i don't know but um they're and maybe there, maybe it's a situation of you don't want to put a new coach with a brand new quarterback, or maybe you do want to do that. There's a lot of things to consider once you get to the end of the year for Texas. Well, and one of the cool things also about OU Texas is it's it's always a game of matchups that, that people look forward to. You know, wh- whether it was you know Sammy B versus Colt McCoy, Mac versus Bob, Lincoln versus Tom Herman. Uh, now, looking at the quarterback pos- position for both teams, you- you've got Sam Ellinger coming into his fourth OU Texas game at the Cotton Bowl. This will be the fourth different OU quarterback that he's faced uh, during his career at Texas. So, see, kind of seeing this uh, this newest and, and latest chapter of of Sam versus Spencer, um, kind of talk about uh, you-, you know kind of the expectations and what you're looking forward to see from that quarterback battle this weekend. Yeah, a lot of talk all offseason about who was the better quarterback. And um, even though Radler hadn't played a game, Ellinger, we had three years of probably mostly above average play, um, but really not like 
amazing Colt McCoy, Vince Young level type of guy, but at least better than David Ash. Um, I'll give you I'll give you a player A, player B comparison here. You tell me who you think is who. Uh, player A so far this season has 187.3 uh, rating and a 73% completion percentage. And then player B has 173.2 rating and a 63% completion percentage. Who do you think is who? Well, I, I know that Texas has the number one scoring offense in, in football right now. Um, I don't know, but then you always try to trick me up on, on these questions. Um, I'll, I'll go with, uh, with Sam. Ellinger being the 187.3, uh, just because I think he's got more touchdown passes and uh, a higher completion percentage than Spencer. Um, but I'm probably dead wrong. You are wrong. Player A is Spencer Radler. Uh, so he has a better rating, better completion percentage. I do believe Ellinger has a few more touchdowns at this point. He has less interceptions for sure. Um, Radler has, has not looked great as far as, in some cases, taking care of the ball uh, the last couple of games. But I think Radler, we've seen way more arm talent from him in the first three games, I guess it is, that we've played. It feels like more and just because the losses add up. But I, I, I feel like Radler's, I think he's got the best arm out of any of Lincoln's quarterbacks so far. It is still, you know, he's got to work on his pocket presence and his decision-making in some cases. But the way he can throw the ball on a rope 40 yards down the field is something I don't even think Baker or Kyler could do. Oh, he's, he's on a different level. I'll, I'll take it even a step further. I think in the game on Saturday, I, I think that in terms of arm talent and, and the ability to throw the football, I, I, I would take Spencer over Sam. Now, again, Spencer is the less experienced of the two, and Sam kind of gives you a little bit more as far as the intangibles go with you know being able to run the football, uh, the, the experience, and, and with this being his fourth Red River game. But, I mean, th there's no question as far as arm talent goes, the ability to throw the football, make all the throws uh, th uh, for, from every which direction on the field. Um, definitely, uh, I I'm taking Spencer on that. So I'll, I'll definitely be interested to watch the quarterbacks kind of go back and forth. Um, but, again, e every time that we come into this game, it seems like there's always kind of a blueprint a key list of ingredients that the team that's going to win the football game, you've got to check all the boxes. You know what? It's it's winning the turnover battle. It's you know being the team that runs the football the best. It's not giving up the big plays, whether it's on defense or you know we've seen in, in other times too. Uh, you, you've got to win the battle on special teams. So, um, kind of transitioning here, um, Adam, look, we we can start with with when uh, Texas is on offense and they've got the football. Um, kind of what, what are some of the matchups, you know, between the 22 guys on the field when Texas is on offense, what are some of the things that you're going to be watching, uh, from the stands on Saturday? Yeah. One thing we talked a, a lot about a little bit earlier in the podcast was just the, their receivers versus our defensive backs. We're going to be giving up some size across the board. <laughs> and, uh, I, I think speed wise we'll be all right. Texas does have some burners, but I do like the speed and OU secondary, uh, the size difference, though, is, is going to be a problem. And it'll be interesting. You know, Ellinger's a good quarterback. He's not the most accurate quarterback ever. So if he can really put it on the money with a lot of those guys, um, we're just in the general vicinity. I, I like their their chances to, to come down with some big passing plays. Uh, right now, uh, OU is, is giving up 9.68 yards per attempt and then 17 per completion. So when a, when a pass is caught, it's going for, for quite a bit against our defensive backs, probably because we're missing a lot of tackles too. But, uh, but yeah, that'll be a matchup I'll be watching. I, 
I hope that we see some improvement, but um, so far the track record does not look great. That's definitely something that I'm going to be looking for also, kind of we, what we alluded to during the postgame pod uh, the, this past weekend. But, you know, all, all of Texas's wide receivers exceed six foot one and above. They got a couple six four, six three guys. And, and you know, kind of what, what made us pull our, pull our hair out from this past weekend was seeing six foot six Charlie Kohler of Iowa State, uh, just the, the matchup nightmare that he was on Buki and the other guys in our secondary. So, uh, doesn't make me feel any better about this game whatsoever, considering the Texas's two tight ends are six six and six seven. Um, so that's definitely going to be something where our defensive backs are going to have to be assignment sound. They are going to have to be physical, and you know, go- going into this game where where turnovers and ability to stop the run is, is so important. I think that that's going to put a huge emphasis on our front seven. Um, and, and Adam, kind of uh, another thing, I'll get your thoughts on this also. One of the other matchups that I'm looking forward to watching is that rush backer for, for OU, Nick Benito, going up against Sam Cosme, who is probably uh, the, the best offensive lineman that Texas has had, I'd say, probably within the last four to five years. Um, I know a lot of Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, they've got him penciled in as a late first-round, early second-round guy. Uh, Nick Benito had a hell of a game uh, against Iowa State. It seemed like he was always in the backfield, uh, getting pressure on the quarterback, really disrupting uh, Brock Purdy throughout the game. He was never truly able to get comfortable. So watching that Nick Benito versus Sam Cosby matchup out, out there on the edge, um, one of the – you know, Texas last year had, you know, a, a lot of size, a, a lot of talent at the receiver position also. But one of the ways in which OU really neutralized the playmaking ability for, from the receiver position of Texas was – they were able to get after Sam Ellinger. You know, Alex Grinch's defense last year had nine sacks. And, again, you don't have Kenneth Murray. You don't have Neville Gallimore on that side of the ball this year. So, uh, I, I think that getting Ronnie Perkins back is, is going to make a, a tremendous difference, uh, allow him to kind of get get after the passer, have kind of free up Nick Benito on the other side to create some one-on-one matchups for him. And, and also, uh, this is a big game for Perry on Winfrey. Um, I, I know that one of the things when when a lot of when OU fans saw him committed, saw him sign on the dotted line, that people thought, okay, this is the next true defensive in, in, interior defensive tackle. Um, I think that this is a huge opportunity for him on Saturday. Yeah, he's been a guy that I've been watching a lot this year, and his speed is really exciting to watch. It just hasn't translated to a whole lot yet. We've seen him in the backfield a lot, but usually it's he just runs in and then he's not anywhere near the play. And, and so uh, this is a game where he really needs to put it all together and make a big impact. Uh, same for the other interior guys like LaRon Stokes. He, he, he gets talked up a lot by coaches, not only on our team, but on other teams. And I, I'm still waiting to see him flash and make a, you know, make a difference on the defense. I do think, like you said, Ronnie Perkins coming back will really help. I like having him and Isaiah Thomas kind of as a one-two punch opposite Benito there. So I think we could see some some big improvement in this game. Sam Cosme might be their their best, you know, chance at a first-round offensive lineman in years and years and years at Texas. But I still like our chances, and, and really we need to have that pressure. Uh, it needs to continue to get better. It was, it was better at Iowa State than it was to step up. We've, we've got to help our defensive backs out as much as possible. 
it'll be interesting to see the game plan that both uh, that both Texas and OU have um, for on those sides of the football. I know that Texas has looked extremely impressive on offense throughout the first for uh, the first three games of the year. TCU they kind of took a step back, but you watch that game against UTEP that they played. You watch them against Texas Tech. Um, Sam Ellinger was slinging it all over the field. Yeah, you, you know they like you said he's. Uh, uh, he's got the most touchdown passes in FBS right now, and the the offense under you know Mike Yurcich uh, coming from Oklahoma State, the the skill talent, the the amount of weapons that Sam has at his disposal of surrounding him in that Texas offense, uh, it seems like Mike Yurcich has truly been able to get the most out of Sam. And and honestly, if that's the game plan that that they come into Dallas with on Saturday, where the, they're going to let Sam drop back and throw the ball 35, 40 times. That's got all the making of them picking OU apart and truly lighting that secondary up. So um, I hope that uh, Tom Herman kind of, you know, is a little bit more involved with the game plan and it's more focused on running the football with, you know, whether it's Keontae Ingram, B. John Robinson, or the quarterback run game with Sam. But uh, it's going to be a chess match. Yeah. I will say one big difference for Texas this year is they've only given up two sacks through three games. Last year, they gave up 34 sacks. So there is a lot less pressure on Ellinger. I'm sure he's, that's why he's feeling it so far. He's, he's really slinging it around, uh, even if some of his stats aren't nearly as good as Radler, but he, he looks impressive. Um, and I, I think, you know, we look at that Texas Tech game. I don't know that, that Radler in that same position brings OU back. Um, I love the way that, that Sam Ellinger did, just based on his experience and that type of situation. So um, I I think if they're smart, Texas is going to really challenge the middle of the field with tight ends and bigger receivers and, and probably Trey Brown a bit too, Um, you know, make them, make them prove it, make them prove that they're mentally tough and can do it all four quarters and, and not interfere and not hold and not miss tackles. And I, I think you just chip away at it if you're Texas and, I mean, case in point, you may have seen this on Twitter earlier from from Caden McFarland. In the first half of the last two games, OU's allowed 2.8 yards of play. In the second half, OU's allowed seven yards of play. So if you're not going to win too many football games doing that. (laughs) Yeah, if Texas is smart, just keep chipping away, even if it's not working. And eventually, OU's going to face some adversity, and that's going to be the defining moment of this game. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, you know, we're, you know, we're just fans on, on outside looking in, but, you know, wh- whether you're a Texas fan, OU fan that, that has watched this OU defense throughout the first part of this season, if Texas doesn't, t- if Texas doesn't try to pick on that nickelback position, try to, you know, really utilize that height and athleticism that they've got within their receivers. If, if Buki's your start nickel, and again, not to pile on Buki, but when you've got a five foot nine nickelback going up against a six foot six tight end, if Texas doesn't target him 10, 15 times during that game, then, I mean, that, that that's nobody's fault but their own. So, uh, that, that, I will say with Buki, it is a little bit frustrating, and maybe he feels this way too, that he hasn't really been given a chance at his natural position. The one that he was actually a five-star at in mm-hmm. high school as a cornerback. And, yeah, he'd be defending some smaller guys on the outside. He'd also have the sideline there to help him a little bit too as, as that, you know, extra defender, I wish we could see some of him there just to see if that could make a difference for him. Well, uh, I mean, he hasn't played what one true snap uh, at the, at the position that he was recruited out of high school to actually play. 
And, I mean, again, I know that he's undersized, but coming in as a true freshman, Mike Stoops thought, you know, he's such a good player. We don't have a spot for him right now at corner, but he's too good of an athlete. He's too good of a football player. So even though he is going to be undersized, we're going to throw him out there in that nickelback position uh, just because they think that he could be a game changer. So, um, again, uh, Nick Benito versus Sam Cosme, that rushbacker versus the left tackle position, that's going to be huge, especially, um, you know, trying to fluster Sam Ellinger, get him out of his rhythm. Uh, because if he if he has time to sit back there all day, he's going to pick that OU secondary apart. So, got to get pressure on the quarterback, got to stop the run game um, and, and limit the big plays. So, let's flip it, Adam. Let's flip it over to when OU has the football on offense. Again, this will be Spencer Rattler's first – Red River shoot, Red River shootout. Um, a, again, it's going to be a little bit different atmosphere. Only twenty five thousand fans in the stands. That'll, in my opinion, make it a little bit easier on him. Kind of getting acclimated to that rivalry, not having you know half the stadium burn orange, half of it you know crimson to the to the max. And um, again, what kind of what are your expectations? What are you expecting Lincoln Riley to come up with as far as a game plan to to move the football and and score on Texas on Saturday? Yeah, I, I like the game plan that they came out with and started against Iowa State. Felt like it was rhythm. It was easy completions. And then it kind of waned as the game went on and the scripted plays, you know, had, had passed. So I would like to see that get as a good start. I think I think it would help Radler to get in a comfortable position going through and then and then stick with the running game. Don't don't give up on it as the game goes on. I do think that the offensive line is – they took a step. They're a little bit closer now than they were uh, before the Iowa State game. They're not quite there. I know the running backs, you know, room isn't deep, and they would probably like to have some guys with some more experience, and, and maybe it's a little bit thin. You don't want to run guys too thin, but get creative. I mean, if, if Jeremiah Hall is, is there and he's been a playmaker, give him a couple carries just to mix it up and – and see what happens and, and don't abandon that or, or at minimum, if you really want to abandon handing it off to the running backs, more short passes, you know, be more creative with your screens to your receivers, things like that, that can, and I, th- I think a good example of that was the fake handoff shovel pass that we saw against Iowa state. I think that was a, a good way to mix it up and continue having a, a somewhat of a running game, but uh, yeah, stick with it. Give Rattler some help. Well, one of the big things every single year in this matchup, it seems like that the the team that comes out victorious, team that comes out on top, is the one that's actually that's actually able to dominate dominate the line of scrimmage, run the football, and run it well. So you you've got a the the offensive line has has been a little underwhelming so far this year, both in run blocking and pass protection. So the offensive line they, they've got to take a huge step forward because you know th- this will be the best front seven again. That's kind of casually you know, taking a, uh, you know, it's it's upgrading week by week as far as position talent that you're going against. So uh, that OU offensive line has got to hold up in both pass protection and run blocking. Uh, got to be able to run the football. Sounds like we might be a little bit thinner in the at the running back position this week. Again, don't, we can't, can't confirm that yet, but um, sounds like one of the guys might be in, in concussion protocol. So if, if you don't have a Seth McGowan this weekend, then your only two scholarship running backs right now are a TJ Pledger, who is undersized, uh, and a Marcus Major, who we haven't seen since the the third quarter of the Missouri State game. So OU's going to have to get creative like that, figure out ways to you know to to uh, you know uh, turn up some yards in the running game and really take the pressure off of Spencer so that he can 
and, and also one, one other thing too, Adam, and again, I'm kind of rumbling on and on, uh, but the pass protection has to hold up. You can't get into a situation like what we saw with Iowa State in the second half where you're forcing a running back, you're forcing an H-back, whether it's Stognor or Jeremiah Hall, to have to stay in the backfield, backfield to assist with, with the uh, the pass protection. So uh, O-line has got to hold up. you got to let four or five receivers get out there, run routes, give Spencer a lot of options. So um, I think Spencer's going to play well. Um, if, if anything, what we've seen from these last three weeks is he's gradually gotten better um, th- through each start, and and the uh, even though the competition's gotten better, he's elevated his game to the next level. So kind of what are your expectations from Spencer going into his first OU Texas game? Yeah, I – I'm not too concerned about him. I think he'll he'll do fine. I think he's he's taken a lot of blame so far for the first couple of losses this season. And that's season, totally unwarranted in my opinion. Uncalled for. Yeah, absolutely. He's been he's been very solid. I think he's he's been good. Um, I don't, he's not been the reason we've lost either of those games. So um, I, I'm expecting you know a good game from him. I would really like to see us find that go-to receiver. If it's Stogner, it's Stogner. Let's build our passing game around that, you know, it's, it's possible to do that with a tight end. We've, we see Florida doing it right now. Kyle Pitts is a little bit different type of player, but you can build it around your tight end, find creative ways to get him the ball uh, when it's meaningful. If it's Marvin Mims, do it. If it's Weiss, I'm, I'm starting to really lose hope that, that Weiss is going to make much of an impact, but I think there's still time. He's, he's got time to turn it around. Rambo, maybe, maybe the focus needs to go off of him a little bit. He's had plenty of opportunities and he's had some good plays. He's had some not great plays. Maybe he just needs to be a guy to stretch the field, but we need to find that go-to guy. Well, you, you don't want to throw Rambo any more bubble screens on the line of scrimmage. <laughs> I, I really think he needs to be either a, a go route type of guy or that, you know, that short drag route where he's catching it on the run with blockers in front of him and he, he's not stopping his stride. Starting and stopping and starting with him, I think, is is not the best fit for his skill set. Well, I, I definitely think OU's got to figure out ways to to get Theo Weiss and Marvin Mims, you know, more consistently involved through all four quarters. Um, Austin Stogner, you know, he he's been OU's probably their best player uh, on offense. He he's been a game changer. Kind of that relationship that he's developed with Spencer, um, he's been kind of that go to go to guy on, on those crucial third downs. Uh, for, for Spencer so but uh, again a, a lot of matchups a lot of talent for both teams all the way across the board special teams is going to be a huge factor it always is in games in games like this whether it's kickoff returns punt returns uh, Dicker the kicker kicking the game winner a couple years ago um, you, you've got to win the you got to win the battle on special teams and and I think that, uh, that that's going to go a long way in deciding the game this weekend so well we we won't dive into our picks quite yet we'll we'll kind of do that in, in our new segment here a little bit later in the show but um, Adam kind of uh, switching over here one of the new things that we kind of wanted to implement uh, during this football season is a betting card where we'll, we'll each you know kind of pick five games that that we both like kind of look at the spread look at the over under and uh, kind of make our picks as far as, you know, if we were gambling, what, what we would put money on. So uh, we'll we'll let OU Texas kind of round out the five for both of us. So give me one of those games that you uh, that, that you like for this weekend. Yeah, I, Kansas State is playing at TCU. They're an eight-and-a-half-point underdog. Skyler Howard, there's a chance he might play. He might also be, uh, be hurt there. So don't know if we're going to get him just yet. But I, I'm not confident – 
that TCU is the type of team to run away with a game at this point. I think they're really solid, but I also really liked what, what K-State has. So uh, give me K-State to, to cover the eight and a half there. I, I don't know if they'll win, but I think they'll, they'll play with an eight and a half. I'll be curious to see as we get closer to kickoff on that one, if that line separates a little bit. Again, if, if Skylar Thompson is not going to play, uh, TCU coming off that big win, Max Duggan, you know, finally being back, establishing himself as a starting quarterback. Uh, if Skylar Thompson isn't able to play, TCU's got such a good defense where, again, depending on what that number is, as we get closer to kickoff, I might actually take TCU to cover that one. But I, I think that's a great pick right now, especially uh, with kind of the uncertainty right now uh, about the different injuries uh, on both of those teams. So uh, for my first one, I'll start uh, I'll start down in uh, in Clemson. Uh, Clemson taking on Miami. That's kind of the uh, uh, the marquee matchup game of the week across college football. Clemson a 16 point favorite against the Hurricanes. This will be Clemson's first game. I, th- I, I couldn't believe this. This will be Clemson's first game in the regular season versus a top 10 team in the last four years. So that's got to uh, be since Lamar Jackson, right? That's exactly, exactly. So Lamar's time at Louisville, that, that matchup that they had at death Valley, um, one of, one of uh, college football's best games this decade. So uh, Clemson getting 16. Um, I'm sure that the, the gap between the, the gap on that will, will shrink as we get closer to kickoff, but uh, Clemson minus 16. I'm going to take Miami of the points. I, I like Derek King. Uh, I, I like what he's doing. He's kind of revamped the, that Miami offense, the the running backs that – all three running backs that Miami's got in, in that uh, in that position room have, have been so spectacular so far. Again, I know that they haven't played a, quite the quality of caliber of competition as a Clemson quite yet, and I fully expect Clemson to win this game. But uh, give me De'Aaron King, that Miami Hurricane defense. I think that they can stay within 16 points uh, of Trevor Lawrence on Saturday. So give me the Hurricanes plus 16. I would love to see Clemson sweat, if not uh, outright lose, but I'm I'm not as confident as you are in Miami uh, on that one. I think Clemson's a juggernaut. So uh, my second pick, I will go with Vanderbilt versus South Carolina. Vanderbilt's 13-point underdog. I think they can keep it within those 13 points. South Carolina kind of famously <laughs> or maybe uh, infamously right now, uh, they, uh, they're known for their slow pace on offense. So I don't think that they they have the guns and the mentality to run away with this game either. Uh, Vanderbilt played A&M really tough. They weren't great against LSU, but um, I, I think they can stick with South Carolina and at least play uh, within those those 13. Yeah, I, I, I like that pick, especially after seeing how competitive Vanderbilt was uh, at Kyle Field a couple weeks ago, uh, almost knocking off A&M. Uh, Vanderbilt plus 13, I, I think that's a good pick. So... Uh, we'll, we'll keep it we'll keep it right there in, in College Station, uh, Florida, traveling down to take on Texas A&M on, on Saturday afternoon. Or I think it's an 11 a.m. on the ESPN game. So uh, Gators getting six and a half uh, against A&M. Uh, A&M coming off just an embarrassment, uh, losing to, losing to uh, Alabama up in Tuscaloosa last weekend by, by four touchdowns. And, uh, again, A&M coming off that loss. They did not look impressive whatsoever against Vanderbilt. Florida's on a hot streak right now. I like Kyle Trask. I like Kyle Pitts, what what the, what those guys are doing. Um, the fact that Vegas only has it at six and a half does kind of make me pause, maybe because nine times out of ten, Vegas is, is never is never wrong. So, uh, But, again, that, that's too close of a point spread. I think, I think it's close for a while. 
but as we move later into the second half, I think Florida pulls away. So give me the Gators minus six and a half uh, against Texas A&M. Yeah, I was a little mad when I saw that you had picked that game because I would have loved to have taken Florida there. I do have some concerns about their defense, but anytime I can can take A and M uh, or go against A and M like that, I, I want to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, with my my third game, I took uh, Louisville. Uh, they're a four point favorite at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech did have that surprising win over Florida State. Now it doesn't look very good at all, and then uh, they turned around and ended up losing to Syracuse, who I think is pretty bad. So uh, give me Louisville to, to cover that four. They haven't been great out of the gate, but they do have some, some big playmakers on offense. I think this is the week where they, they really show that they're, they're better than that one and two start that they have. Yeah. I, I can't believe I didn't, that didn't catch my eye when, when going through the slate of games, Louisville minus four. I love that pick. Uh, I think the Cardinals knock off the yellow jackets uh, for my third game. Um, I'm going to go down to the Grove old miss tra- or Alabama traveling to take on Lane Kiffin and the, and the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh, Alabama is a 23-point favorite. I'm actually going a little bit off script here. Um, Alabama has made me some money the last two weeks uh, so that with that first half spread. Uh, Bama is favored by 13.5 points, covered 13.5 in, in that first half against Ole Miss. Um, if there's one thing that we've seen, especially with the, with the Alabama offense and Nick Saban coach team, they jump on people and they jump on them quick. So – uh, give me Alabama to cover 13 and a half on the road uh, against Ole Miss this Saturday. I, that, that's probably my favorite pick. Okay, interesting. I uh, I don't know. It feels like picking in one half has got to be more challenging. But uh, well, in, in in an instance though, I I think that I think that it's more predictable, just because. You 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 ri- or you avoid the risk of getting a backdoor cover in garbage time. That's true. That's 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 very true. Yeah, for uh, for pick, uh, I I went with an over under. Uh, I'm doing Arkansas at Auburn, and I am taking the under. It's a it's a 48 for the over under. None of Arkansas's games have gone over 47 at this point. I think they have a ton of momentum. Auburn hasn't uh, hasn't gone over 47 yet either so I feel like that's probably going to be a little bit lower scoring it's not the same Arkansas team that we've been used to the last couple of years uh, I hope they didn't stay out partying and celebrating their win too much because <laughs> I want them focused on Auburn and keeping that uh, under 48 yeah uh, moving on over here to, to my fourth game uh, we're going to go out to North Carolina Tar Heels taking on the Virginia Tech Hokies this Saturday, 11 a.m. kickoff on the ABC. Uh, looks like that the spread for that game, uh, it opened up at seven, but it's it's found its way all the way down to minus five and a half. So, uh, Sam Howell, uh, North Carolina, you give Mac Brown, uh, a, again, a, a chance to compete against, you know, probably th- this will be the biggest game other than uh, Notre Dame as far as conference schedule goes this year. Uh, give me North Carolina minus five and a half at home against the Hokies. That is one that I saw but did not want to touch. Uh, Virginia Tech, even though they've been shorthanded their first two games, they, they dominated NC State. They really dominated Duke. The score was a little bit closer at the end than, than the game really was. So I, I didn't want anything to do with that one. But credit to you for, for being willing to take it. Uh, for my final pick, I, I went, uh, went with OU Texas. The over-under is 72 and a half. I took the over. I don't see a way that 
uh, at least one of these defenses, you know, is able to stop the other team. So I, someone's going for 40 uh, and the other team's at least going to be in the thirties. I don't see any way that this is, this is under the 72 and a half. So first one to 40 wins. Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to stay uh, at the cotton bowl uh, down in Dallas this weekend. OU Texas uh, 72 and a half is the over under right now. OU is favored by two points. I, Part of me, in a rivalry game like this, again, totally unpredictable. We have no idea what's going to happen, uh, again, of, especially for OU Texas weekend. Both teams coming in, you know, limping into the, the, the Cotton Bowl on Saturday. Call me crazy. Call me biased. Call me a homer. I like OU minus two in, in this game. And let me tell you why, Adam, because you're, you're giving me a nasty look right now or a, a look of disbelief. OU minus two. I don't see a way in which OU loses for three consecutive weeks. I think that um, Lincoln Riley, he's had Tom Herman's number uh, ever since the two, you know, got on the field together. Uh, I know that Spencer is going to be the least experienced quarterback in this matchup, but uh, this Texas secondary has, has struggled throughout the, the first part of the season. I, I think that this is the week where OU finally puts it together on offense. The the offensive line, they assert their will. They dominate for all four quarters. I think that OU is going to score not at will, but but uh, I, I think that they could they could see upwards of forty points in this game. Uh, I think it starts off low scoring, uh, kind of both teams kind of feeling each other out. I think both defenses will play well in the early early stages of it. Um, OU getting Ronnie Perkins back, I think that's going to be a huge difference maker. Uh, as far as trying to slow down Sam Ellinger. Um, so I've, I'm going to take OU to cover two points. Give me the Sooners 38-35 on Saturday. Gabe Burkich, game-winning field goal as time expires. Wow. I love that thought. I love your confidence. Now, if will I actually put money on that? I don't know, <laughs> but that's what I'm going with. Yeah, I, I always feel like never, never put money on your favorite team because – you can't ever think straight with them, but uh, I love the confidence. I mean, you did mention that there's, you don't see any way, Oh, you can lose three straight games. I would have told you a week ago. I don't see any way. Oh, you loses in Ames for the first time since 1960 as well. I don't see any way. Oh, you loses two straight in the big 12 for the first time since 1999 or 98. So uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how much stock I can put into that. I hope you're, <laughs> I hope you're right. I, I I'm not sure that, there's any scenario where I look at this game and go, yeah, OU's defense can, can hold, uh, hold the line. Maybe they come out and they surprise, but I just feel like the mentality with this team is, is broken. And it's probably the first time in a long time where I've looked at these two teams and said, "Mm, I think the mentally tougher team right now is Texas. And that's mainly because of Sam Ellinger. They have a lot of veteran leadership there. Culture wise, I think, OU still wins there, but it's a lot closer than it's been in years past. So I'm not sure I see OU's defense up to the task. I really think the path to victory for OU here is Spencer Rattler, which he's very capable of of doing. He's going to need some other guys to step up and help him out, but he's really got to take over and say, hey, I was the number one quarterback a few years ago for a reason. And we've we've seen a lot of that so far but we haven't seen him completely take over a game. And so I think he'll have to do that because I think he's going to have to absolutely outscore Texas. Well, with that being said, 
I'd say uh, give me, and I hate saying this. I hope, I hope, I hope I'm wrong. Don't do. You, uh, are you are you about to do this? I, I'm. I think I gotta go with Texas on this one. I think, I think they win forty-one to thirty-five. Oh, but I hope I'm wrong. Forty-one <laughs> reverse reverse jinx this right. Let let me put let me put it this way. I I think that I think and again this is the most unpredictable college football game every single year. It, it, you, you never know what's going to happen. My my prediction is it's either going to be OU winning close at the very end or Texas beats OU by two touchdowns. I I, I think that I think that if one team has a better chance of blowing the other one out, it's Texas right now. Um, but again, I I I just I don't see OU losing three games in a row. I think Lincoln and Grinch will have him fired up. Getting Ronnie Perkins back will help. Um, I, I think OU pulls it out this weekend. So, Adam, before we uh, get to our last and final segment, kind of one question here, which um, we might even just throw this question out the door since you just picked the Longhorns. But uh, <laughs> as an as an OU fan, is there anything about this team, whether it's a position group, whether it's a player, whether it's a weakness that you see with Texas, is there anything that gives you confidence that OU can win on Saturday? I I do think you'd like to think that Spencer Rattler has the potential to win the quarterback duel here. And kind of like we mentioned earlier, I think the offensive line is, is closer. I think the fewer guys that we can play in a rotation there, the better sign that'll be for OU because it means that we, we know who our, our five are. We still don't really know that. I think there's some questions at probably both guard positions, but if we can settle in on our five, I think that can do a lot of big things for our running game. I, I just, I, I just don't know that, you know, defensively there's, there's a lot of hope there until I see it with my own eyes. I don't know how guys, you know, can suddenly not tackle one week and suddenly tackle the next week. That's such a big mental difference to get past so I think I think the hope for OU winning relies on Spencer Radler, which is a ton of pressure for a redshirt freshman. Well, I mean, if it, if he can perform, you know, as good as he did against Iowa State, maybe even take a step up. I mean, I I, th- I think that OU will be in a good position. But again, you you've got to tackle. They got to take a step forward compared to Iowa State. You can't miss fifteen tackles, uh, g- give him extra possessions, but uh, win the turnover batter battle, run the football, don't give up any big plays. Um, I, I, I honestly, I, I cannot wait for Saturday. It's going to be a much different feel to it. Um, but uh, again, it, it's OU Texas and well, I can't, can't wait for it. So Adam, moving on to our final segment here, I want to have a little bit of fun with it. You know, not OU Texas, not only do you have the game, uh, inside the fairgrounds, but you've also got all the crazy wacky food vendors, anything and everything that you could imagine be fried, put on a stick whatsoever. They have it. Um, so we've got kind of a Mount Rushmore topic here. Uh, Mount Rushmore of fair foods. So, Adam, we'll, we'll go back and forth here, but what are the four foods that Adam Jacquez uh, is trying or definitely gets when he enters the Texas State Fair? Yeah, first thing I always look for in any type of fair setting or wherever I see fair food trucks is a deep-fried Oreo. I think it's absolutely the best thing. Uh, I've, I've made them at home myself. I love them so much. So, Love, love me a deep fried Oreo. That that sounds like a heart attack waiting to happen. Uh, I I actually had the deep fried Oreo number four on my list. 
Uh, I can eat one. They usually give you about six or eight in that little basket. One is plenty for me. I can't do any more than that. It makes me sick. Isn't everything at the fair basically a heart attack waiting to happen? Yeah, well, that, that very good point. But that's uh, that, that's why they only do this one weekend a year for, for, for us to partake in. <laughs> so I've got deep fried Oreo also. Number one for me, I'm a sucker for the funnel cake. Have been since I was a little kid. The powdered sugar, the fried dough. Maybe put a little chocolate syrup across the top. Um, a funnel cake, that, that's number one. Got to have the powdered sugar all over your fingers, all over the sides of your lips. Uh, a funnel cake, that, that's, that's number one for me. I, if, if I do anything on Saturday, I will have a funnel cake. That's classic. Yeah, the uh, number two for me would be mini donuts. There's a lot of ways you can get them. You can get them different types of flavors, sugar, cinnamon, whatever. I tend to like just an original and they, they seem to melt in your mouth. So uh, I don't know if they have them at the Texas Fair. I'm sure they do. Uh, for me, that was something I loved getting at the uh, North Carolina State Fair growing up, though. Is it a cake-type donut, or is it more of like a glaze, like a donut? It, it's it's more of a glaze. Like It's almost like a mini, mini version of a Krispy Kreme. Oh, well, shoot. Krispy Kreme, turn that light on. Um, <laughs> sign, sign me up for that. So that, yeah. that sounds good. That might be breakfast. So, uh, number two for me, um, uh, Fletcher's corn dog. I know cheesy cliche, but if, if you're not, if you're not having a, a Fletcher's corn dog and a, and an ice cold beer at eight 30 on Saturday morning, what are you really doing? Uh, we usually try to make it a point to get one, then one at halftime, uh, take advantage of that Fletcher's corn dog. So put, put a little mustard on one side, ketchup on the other, uh, on the other and, and just go to town with it. So Fletcher's corn dog, number two for me. I love that one. I wanted to put it on mine, but didn't want to be too redundant. Uh, I do. I will say that's more of an OU Texas fair, you know, food for me versus a general fair food. I wouldn't necessarily get that in any other setting, but I do love that. I know you Texas. Fair point. Yeah. Uh, number two for me was was corn on the cob. Another thing that you can get in a lot of different uh, varieties and styles, sometimes a classic grilled is really good. But, uh, of course, knowing me, uh, I'm going to go with the Mexican-style uh, street corn. So I think that's the way to go. You know, my, uh, my whenever I went over to a uh, parent's house a couple weeks ago, um, they, they had a barbecue, and that was one of the things that my dad actually made was uh, uh, Mexican street corn. So he, he didn't fry it, but – uh, the, the different batter, the sauce that he put on it, throwing it on the grill, it was it was spectacular. So uh, I would definitely uh, be looking to try some of that corn in the cob. So uh, last one for me before turning it back over to you to kind of round it out. Um, again, this is kind of a this is kind of a cliche, a more popular choice. You know, no matter where you're at, what state fair you're going to. But I went with the turkey leg. Um, it's not something that I choose to get every single year. I've kind of got to go into that day being in the mood for it. Um, it's fantastic. It tastes delicious. The only downside, you're going to have that juice all over your arms. And plus it's a pain in the ass having to walk around and carry it because the thing's so massive. Uh, it could probably feed a family of four. Uh, but it's, it's so good. And, And again, I had, had one last year, split one, uh, with, with somebody else, but, uh, Turkey legs, number three for me. (laughs) <laughs> uh number number four and the final one for me i haven't seen it in a while uh in fact i've i've only seen it at the north carolina state fair but i'm sure it's in other places chocolate covered bacon sign me up <laughs> it, it sounds strange it is very good it's definitely an experience and it is a ton of fun to 
talk about it for sure. So is it is it good because it, it kind of gives you that sweet and salty type thing or? I think so. Yeah, it's got, it's got a really satisfying crunch. So, um, but yeah, I, I do think it is a little bit of that sweet and salty going on. Jeez, well, that's I, hey, I, I would not be opposed to trying any any one of those four years. So I think that that's a great that's a great top four in terms of fair food. So, well, Adam, that kind of that kind of wraps it up for us. Um, you got anything else OU Texas related before we get out of here and head down to Dallas here in a day or two? Man, beat Texas. Um, in the words of of Barry Switzer, uh, you know Texas kids should should have every chance at winning a championship. And, and that's why they should come to Oklahoma. Paraphrasing that, but love it. Um, love it. Uh, you're always, always going to get a good OU Texas quote out of Barry Switzer. Uh, so um, I'll be wearing the uh, the famous beat Texas hat <laughs> on uh, on Saturday, as I have throughout the entire week, and hopefully don't get sunburnt and take an L on the same day. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to meet up on on Saturday. I'm sure it, pro- it definitely won't be easy to, uh, or it definitely will be easy to spot you in the crowd as as much spaced out as we're going to be in. But no, I'm I'm super pumped about it. OU Texas, um, it, it's my favorite sports weekend of the year as far as being a fan in attendance. Uh, the atmosphere around it. I know that it's going to be a lot different this year with COVID going on, but. Uh, being a being a kid growing as an OU fan growing up in the state of Texas, I, I I caught shit every day of this week from all my classmates and friends. So uh, th- th- this one this one hits home. This one's special to me. Um, and again, this will this will be my 16th year in a row going down to Dallas for for the big game. So definitely excited to uh, hop on I-35 South on Friday morning and uh, and start that weekend off right. So, uh, but again, Adam, appreciate you taking the time. Big one on Saturday, OU Texas, 11 a.m., Cotton Bowl. Cannot wait, dude. It, it's going to be fun. I have no idea what's going to happen in this football game, but hopefully – uh, when we pack up the car and head back home on Saturday afternoon, hopefully it's a, it's a fun and happy car ride. So, uh, but again, Adam, appreciate you for taking the time and, uh, it's OU Texas weekend guys. So have a safe trip going down there. Uh, cheer loud, wear crimson and let's beat Texas on Saturday. So cheers everybody.